Blog Talk Radio. Back at it again. It's another edition of the College Gridiron Showcase Watchlist Shows. Tracking the top NFL draft prospects on the planet each and every week. Brought to you by the NFL Draft by broadcasting around the globe. With your hosts, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, and me, the R.I.C. Rick Saratella. We are on air. Ooh, yeah, we're back at it again. College Gridiron Showcase Watch List Show, episode number 42. It's your host, R.I.C. and the place to be, Rick Saratella, telling it like it is here at the NFL Draft Bible since 2002. It's what we do. And today is November 3rd. 2017, it means just two months until the College Gridiron Showcase, the fourth annual edition down in Addison, Texas, bigger and badder than ever before, and we're really excited about it. And, uh, you know, what we do here, if you're a first-time listener, we, we break down NFL draft prospects. We're always searching for talent, especially when it comes to the College Gridiron Showcase. So we've got about 40 or 50 guys up there in the NFL, and you know, just three players drafted last year, but nobody's scouting the nation on location, coast to coast, north to south, east to west. Nobody, I mean, nobody is scouring the nation like we are looking for talent because, you know, despite having just three players drafted, like I said, we have about four or five dozen players in the NFL, which means what? It means we've identified the undrafted free agent market and we've provided a platform for these players because they typically don't get invited to the NFL scouting combine. Yet a third of every NFL team is going to consist of undrafted free agents. So if you're a draft Nick, if you're an agent, if you're a scout, if you're just a talent evaluating freak like my co-hosts who I'm going to welcome in here in a second, then you're going to love the show. So please find us on iTunes, share us, like us, um, taste it, lick it, you know the same. Spread the word, man. We appreciate it. We're not the mainstream media, and nor do we have the budget to compete with them. But what we can do uh, is bring you the names that you need to know. So with that being said, we welcome in – oh, before we welcome in the co-hosts, let me just also make note that today's show brought to you by InsideTheLeague.com. Have you checked it out? Our friend Neil Stratton is doing a great thing with the College Gridiron Showcase. It's called the Scouting Workshop. And if you go to cgsallstar.com, where you can also find the watch list show, uh, you can find our actual watch list and and player nominee forms, but you can also sign up for the scouting seminar. And if you live in the Texas area, probably it'll be beneficial to you. Um, But, you know, you'll get to uh, take a scouting course with former NFL scouts. You'll be on the sidelines with uh, guys like myself and Justin and Chris and Joe And you'll be rubbing elbows with NFL scouts if you really want to get involved in that, if that's something you want to pursue. Then there's really not a better way to break into the business. But with that being said, it's time to get to the stars of the show. They are Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, the directors of college football scouting at the NFLDraftBible.com. Make sure you check out that website. That's some hot-ish going on right there. But uh, Joe, Justin, welcome to the show. I know you guys have a lot lined up, you're locked, you're loaded, you're ready to go. So let's do it. Joe, say hello to the people, man. How you doing? What up, what up? Midweek Maxion has been <laughs> amazing. Amazing. 
<laughs> yes, sir. Indeed. I was watching that rerun of the, the Troy game on ESPN early this morning. Justin, what's doing on your end, my man? Hey, just dealing with this cold weather over here in Colorado, but I'm pumped and ready to go talk some football today, buddy. All right, from Colorado to Indianapolis to New Jersey here on the College Gridiron Showcase Watchlist Show, episode number 42. Let's kick it off and get underway. And, you know, we usually do the FBS watch and the FCS watch and the under-the-radar prospect. We always started off with the FBS, but today we're going to flip it and reverse and start off with the FCS Player of the Week, and that's going to be me. Uh, breaking it down, you know, last weekend I was up in Boston College, Chestnut Hill, to take in the Florida State game where, you know, Florida State was favored. Boston College whooped them by about 30 points. Everybody stormed the field and had a good time. But what was more enjoyable, that was a Friday night game. What was more enjoyable for me was taking that ride over to the Yale Bowl. Uh, My first time experiencing it. So much history there. What a great place to take in a game. And, you know, really the Ivy League championship was on the line when Columbia took on Yale, but I was there for one player and one player only. That is Anders Hill. Uh, Thank you to uh, Greg, the PR guy at Columbia, for pointing out the correct pronunciation because I had Anders on the show a couple weeks ago, and he didn't – I was calling him Anders all day long. He didn't correct me once. But, um, (laughs) you know, listen, I wanted to find out what he's all about. I needed an up-close look, and I needed to determine whether or not he is fit for the College Gridiron Showcase. And whether or not, you know, I'm going to pound the table for him. So what I can tell you is that, you know, coming into the game, he won about 10 games in a row, um, just lighting the world on fire. And I can tell you that Columbia got down early on. And Anders, you know, you could tell was kind of pressing. It looked like he was trying to do a little bit too much and probably had the worst game of his career, to be quite honest. But I told him, I texted him after the game, man. I said, it's okay. There's still benefits and positives to take out of this don't lose task at the focus at hand. And, you know, this guy was throwing the deep ball, flinging it downfield early and often. Uh, The first half, you know, I counted at least eight deep balls, you know, balls that traveled about 30, 40 yards in the air. And, you know, while only two of them were complete, I got to say he, he had a couple of them that were right on the money, dropped it right in the bucket. His receivers are uh, far from desirable. A lot of drops passes. But what I did notice is that when he did miss, he put it in a place where only his receiver would have a shot to catch the ball. So uh, very smart kid. I think there's some tools there. There's a lot to like, but at the end of the day, probably a developmental guy. Um you know, I would. You know, we we had a guy named Bart Houston at the College Gridiron Showcase last year from from Wisconsin. I would say he's probably on par with that type of prospect coming out of college. So, you know, that's the FCS watch list uh, player of the week. Brought to you by Parabolic Performance and Rehab. Check out goparabolic.com, and I'll be uh, involved with their NFL draft prep program. Uh, doing the combine training, and quite honestly, I, I don't think there's a better place to train in the world. But, hey, that's just my opinion. So check out goparabog.com, and uh, we'll be bringing you some coverage there. Starting in December, man, uh, we've got players already coming to the facility, giving them some tours. They want to get at it early, so we're going to be opening the doors in December. Uh, RIC at nfldraftbible.com if you want more information for that one. Now, let's go to the under-the-radar prospect of the week. It's brought to you by Defiance Fuel Water. Check out defiancefuel.com. Defy limitations. 
We turn it over to Joe Everett, who never leaves a stone unturned. Joe, who is that under-the-radar prospect defying limitations this week? Well, it's got to be Levi Wallace. I mean, not, maybe not this week in particular, but if you're a former walk-on and you're in a scholarship at Alabama, that is just a, a challenge bested by itself. I mean, just starting the season for the best team in the country, that's astonishing in itself, especially with all those three, four, five-star recruits that that place is littered with. Uh, Wallace outplaying them all not only says something about his toughness, but the coaching staff therefore lets the whole roster know it's like, well, we don't care where you're from. I don't, your credentials don't mean anything. Show me you can play. You get on the field, and Levi Wallace has done just that. He's got a great build. He's got long arms, six foot. Really does a great job of keeping receivers in front of him, no matter what the route or the assignment is. Uh, I think this it's amazing that this kid has gone from a basic student. Uh, to maybe a day three NFL draft pick at this point. Um, that what a senior year Levi Wallace has had, and you guys know I'm going two for the price of one. Rick, I gotta ask you about Rutgers punter Ryan Anderson. You guys know I love Purdue. Indiana's one true team, uh, but Ryan Anderson in that Purdue game by himself, I think one that was a big reason why uh, they were uh, out there punted 12 times. I've put four of those inside the 20, a 61 yarder in that game. Uh, I know you watch all the Rutgers, Rick, but this Anderson, I think he's got a boomstick. I think he, he tilts the field and this is what uh, all of that division three uh, uh, credit to him for another guy. I'm, I'm just going to change schools, go uh, find my way to kick and, Boy, he, he really – I like the way he kicks it. And, yeah, just specifically, I had to give him a little shout-out on this show, Graham, because, boy, uh, I don't think without him they beat Purdue. That uh, that field position was everything. And, man, Ryan Anderson, I had not heard of him before, but definitely had to save the name after that game. Well, you know, it's funny you mention him because I, I, I think in one of the preseason shows, you were loving it because I did mention his name very briefly, and I was talking about the job that hot tip to Chris Ash, the head coach at Rutgers. He brought in all these transfers, kind of uh, hold the fort guys. The team has been a lot more competitive. They earned their first two Big Ten victories of the season this year. And, you know, instead of losing 77 nothing to Michigan, they only lost by 20 points instead of 80 points. So you can see the strides being made. You can see – the commits now that, you know, Shiano was able to keep some of the Jersey towns. Ash just flipped the guy from Miami over to Rutgers, four-star recruit. Uh, the kid Adonis Jennings down in Temple, uh, who, who things didn't work out at Rutgers. Now they've recruited his brother, who's even a better player. So hat tip to Chris Ash. And, yeah, what a story this Ryan Anderson is, because uh, it is going to be quite the journey when you talk about Sometimes you got to take two steps backwards to get one step forward, they say. How about D2 starts off at Saginaw Valley State, takes a step back to D3 and goes to Olivet, and then takes a step forward to Rutgers, Piscataway, New Jersey, the birthplace of college football. And then next year, fast forward, he'll be playing football on Sundays. What an incredible story. What an incredible journey. And that's how we like to break it down here at the NFL Draft Bible Doc. Um, College Gridiron Showcase Watch List Show. Uh, this guy is just booming kicks all over the field. Ryan Anderson, if you don't know, now you know. That was our under-the-radar prospect two.
for the price of one Joe Everett. They're never leaving a stone unturned. And now we go over to the FBS Player of the Week. It's brought to you by PremierAthleteAdvisors.com. Check out PremierAthleteAdvisors.com, our good friends Adam and Matt over there. I got to say, I I might not have ever seen such an agency make such great strides in such a short period of time, and Premier Athlete Advisors definitely raising their profile uh, this year with some of the clients they intend to represent. So we're we're always happy to see people succeed in football. Make make sure you check out SucceedInFootball.com. We're throwing the plugs around all over the place. I got so many outlets in these walls. We got to get them in. Hey. Justin Gamble dropping the hammer on him. Hey, check him out at gamscout.com. No, just at gamscout. Don't get too carried away, Rick. All right, we got to inject a little bit of humor along the way. We just cram and jam so much information in such a short period of time. Got to have a little fun with it, right? So, Justin, who is our FBS Player of the Week? Well, before we get into that, can I just say that's the most airtime a punter has ever got on any But moving on. Jersey, from baby. The... <laughs> um, my, my FBS guy is a little weird this week because, I mean, the team he plays for not only got beat but got it handed to him. But, I mean, we preach here, we, you know, we're not scouting outcomes. We're scouting the players and we're scouting the skill sets and seeing which guys can play regardless of the, you know, what their team's record is. But uh, watching Georgia versus Florida this past weekend, uh, Florida defensive tackle Taven Bryant um, just lit up the, my screen nonstop. I mean, snap by snap, this kid is just ruining the Georgia offensive line. Unfortunately, he's the only one. But uh, he's a true junior. He's listed at 6'5", 293. Um, I think the thing that stands out about this kid is just each and every snap, the motor and the get off. Um, when they ask him to attack a gap, he is shooting up field and he has a plan. I mean, his pad level was impeccable. Snap, snap after snap. Um, the technique to get inside, the technique with his hands. Um, when they, you know, when people would try to reach block him, he can lock them out and hold up his point, hold his run lane. Um, the guy was just unbelievable. Uh, and I think projecting him to the NFL is pretty easy because he's got the size. He could probably play in a three-man front. He could play in a four-man front. There's not a whole lot he can't do. And, I mean, you see, you know, you're, you look at this guy and say, all right, well, he's not your typical, shoot, Gerald McCoy-looking type. But uh, I think he's plenty athletic. I think there's not really a lot of limitations to this kid's game. I think he could definitely, like I said, play in the odd or even front. Um, and I don't think – he has a limited ceiling in any way. I think this is a possible day one pick. Um, so moving forward, um, you know, he's not going to play on a team that's going to win a lot of games, clearly. But I think, you know, he's someone to look at the combine. I think he might test pretty well with that burst and explosion and his lateral ability to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. So um, I, I could not get enough of him. I kept rewinding and fast-forwarding, rewind, fast-forward, when I would get to, the you know, the Florida defense on the field. So, Taven Bryan, if you're out there, man, listening, keep it up because that was just wonderful to watch last Saturday. All right, a fast draft riser, Taven Bryan, and he just might be listening. So, hey, when you're a Wyoming product playing at Florida, 
and making plays all over the field, people are going to pay attention and take notice. And uh, that's our FBS Watch List Player of the Week, brought to you by PremierAthleteAdvisors.com. Now, we're halfway through the show. we got some big-time matchups to break down, and we're going to dive right into them uh, with this marquee matchup of the week. We can have a lot of fun with this matchup. And, and uh, Joe, I know you got your finger on the pulse when it comes to this LSU Alabama SEC battle. A lot of people are going to be watching Darius Geis and seeing if he can replicate the draft stock value of uh, his former teammate Leonard Fournette of a year ago. This Alabama defense certainly going to be his biggest test. And uh, if he proves worthy enough, he just might be able to solidify himself a first round pick there. But that's just one of many, many players, I'm sure. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of NFL prospects in this matchup. Oh, it's uh, littered. I mean, I I jumped on the chance to talk about this game, but, of course, I start sinking my teeth in, and, yeah, it's just basically everybody. So see you next week. (laughs) Um, I'd start off with Damian Harris, the other running back. I think he is a stud when we put the prospectus together. I had him as the top-rated Alabama back. I mean, I don't care about Bo Scarborough. Bo's a banger, short yardage specialist. He's great, and he, he looks good when he's knocking fools out. But the more accomplished back is Harris. He's the better pass blocker. He's the better receiver. He's also great through contact. And at 222 pounds, that guy has some real jets. He's just a, a junior, so who knows? I, I will have to say, if I was him in that crowded backfield, I'd be. I'd have my minds on uh, skipping town after this season. But I think Damian Harris, even last year few people remember he led the team in rushing yards because he's a stud. I mean, the stud factory at running back. Um, so I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on him when Scarborough's not in there. Uh, Jacobs, the other back, love him and look out for that freshman, uh, Najee Harris. But uh, the, the line's got a couple draftable players again. Bozeman, the center, has stepped right in there. He's a redshirt center, so fifth-year guy. I think he's draftable. And then uh, Ross Pierce Bacher, he's uh, really the stud along that line. 38 consecutive games. He's just a thug nasty inside. He'll slide back. He'll strike you with his jab, and he keeps people at bay. I mean, that's classic offensive lineman from Alabama. So he's one, I think, definitely on the radar. And then a lot of underclassmen. Um, Calvin Ridley, of course, one to watch. I think he's very Antonio Brownish. Uh, and there's a a great matchup here against a number of uh, underclassmen for LSU. It's it's DBU again. I, I don't think t- not too many of these guys are draft eligible, but Ridley going up against that Tigers secondary, that's one to watch. And then I I believe uh, Deshaun Hand could be back for this game. He's been questionable with that MCL. I think he's missed the last couple of games, so he's a senior. I think he's a lock for the top 50. Hands just a rare athlete. Whenever he gets steps in the building in, in Indianapolis in February, I think he's going to light up some heads uh, with what he could do uh, testing-wise. And then Dron Payne, his cohort there, as much as people love Darius Geis, I mean, these two up the middle, that defense. Uh, Sean Dion Hamilton's the other guy. I think the most underrated player on this Alabama team. Uh, every time you listen to coverage, the, the coaches – the organization, they all talk about how highly respected he is, what he does for the getting them lined up, how much of a coach on the field he is. And I tell you, you flip on the NFL today, guys, and you see a lot of terrible coverage linebackers. 
I know this kid can run with tight ends and running backs. I've seen him do it in the SEC. I can't wait to see what the NFL team he goes. He may not be highly drafted, but Sean Dion Hamilton will be a starting linebacker in the NFL. I'm not very confident in that. And then um, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I think everybody knows who he is, probably number one corner on the board. If all all goes well, he can press. He's got the hips. He's long at 6'1". Great prospect. And then my favorite Alabama player, flat out, outside of uh, Damian Harris, is uh, Ronnie Harrison. Uh, you guys, you know, anyway, you can have Derwin James. You can have all these other safeties. I think uh, Harrison is special. Another guy, kind of coach on the field type, but regardless of position, he flies across the field. That's a guy that just leaves trails on the screen because he's just making a beeline to that ball, and when he arrives, he hits with authority. I think uh, – Harrison's a lock for the first round in, in my books, as long as he's still healthy. Um, LSU side of it, Danny Etling, man, it's just sad that a Purdue retread is your best option that you've had at quarterback in the last two years. I don't know what's going on with recruiting. And DJ Chark, great player. Another one of these, like, four-star, five-star gone to waste in a horrible passing offense. I just don't understand why any receiver would go to LSU. But uh, hopefully that turns around. But Chark, out blocker. He returns punts. He's another really long receiver, so I don't think he's done anything to hurt his draft stock, so hopefully he gets in there, makes some plays, and then the son of Carl Malone's on the line for LSU, but it's another guy uh, last two games with a knee injury as well for him. I don't know if he plays, but if Malone does, I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's a guard at the next level. Uh, hopefully moves inside, because he in a phone booth, he's a pretty violent striker, and he could hold his own, but uh, in pass pro, that's I, he'd be a liability at tackle. And I, the last player, I, I'm going long, I know, but there's a lot of players in this game. Uh, Christian Lockerture, I think David Randa's defense been great for this kid. He's he's off to a terrific start this year too. I think he's got a career high in sacks already. But beyond stats, he's just a great prospect because he affords you position versatility, the scheme transcendent. This is what this guy is. He can play three tech. Uh, he's already shown and proven he could fit at a five tech at a three four. So I got to think a lot of teams are looking their chops right outside the the top thirty or so. You know, you get in that second round. Lockerchers, the guys like, yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and take that, lock him up for a few years because I just think uh, he could play in any scheme. And those LSU defensive linemen, they just keep churning them out. And Lockerchers is the next in a long line there. So yeah, a great game here. Uh, probably going with the tie. All right, well, like you said, a lot of players there to cover, and I know Justin probably wants to chime in on a few things. I'll give him that opportunity. Now, you guys know I'm not a huge analytics guy. I don't really know if you would even consider this analytics, but I came across an article with some interesting stats that I'll just throw out that caught my eye. Uh, First off, Joe, I agree wholeheartedly about Ronnie Harrison. I think uh, he could – you could argue he might be the best defensive prospect in the nation. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Deshaun Hamilton. That that guy is just incredible when it comes to the run. I, I think he has only two missed tackles uh, all season long when it comes to stuff in the run. So you talked about the sloppy tackling at the next level that you see so much on Sundays. Uh, you're not going to get that from him. Now, uh, another interesting tidbit, Deron Payne, I thought it was uh, pretty interesting that 219 of his 360 snaps this year, uh, he has been asked to rush the passer since uh, that's probably a good reason why 
Uh, he has 17 total pressures back there. So, you know, anytime you can get a man of his size, uh, you know, getting into the backfield and disrupting things, uh, those are rare players to come by. Uh, as we used to like to say, uh, they don't grow on trees. Um, Justin, you mentioned Levi Wallace. You know, he's given up just 103 yards uh, against him all season long. He's been targeted 35 times and only 11 completions against him. So uh, definitely playing some outstanding ball, as you mentioned. But the question was, or the question is, Joe brings up Damian Harris. Uh, a lot of uh, draft nicks out there in the scouting community, you know, are split on who the top running back is. Let's take Saquon Barkley out of the equation and t- take a look at this SEC matchup. Now, guys, coming off of a uh, great game last week against Ole Miss, 130 of his uh, 276 yards came after contact. But I want to ask you, Justin, and then you can give your quick uh, thoughts on anybody else. Damian Harris or Darius Geis, who do you have higher on your draft board? When Geis is fully healthy, when he looks like he did last year, I would have to say Geis. I think he's a little – I'd say his reactive athleticism, his overall burst, just the way that he can beat you in so many different ways, um, I think Geis is probably my higher-rated back. Um, Damian Harris, I don't even know if he's anything I would call flashy. He added more burst to his game. He probably has the best vision in all of college football. Um, and he's got, you know, he's got some of that breakaway speed. I just don't know if he's anything. I think, I think Geis is on a special level. I think Geis is up there with Barkley, and I think Harris is probably a fringe day one back, but I, I definitely think I have to give Geis that edge. All right. Anybody else you want to chime into before we get to your marquee matchup? Uh, I think Rashawn Evans, the, uh, the other inside linebacker next to Hamilton for, uh, you know, Alabama. Um, I think he's an absolutely special player. I, we, you know, week in, week out, you see him line up at outside linebacker, at inside linebacker, at defensive end, um, and he does everything at a near elite level. He's played a few different positions, so there's times where you see that he's still adjusting to where they, you know, they have him in his new spot, wherever that may be. Even though he's an inside linebacker, it's just certain they move him around so much. You can you can tell there's lapses where he's adjusting, but. Uh, you know, from an athletic standpoint and an overall skill set standpoint, he can run with sh- shoot some slot receivers. He runs with running backs, tight ends. He attacks the line of scrimmage. I mean, in my opinion, that's the top inside linebacker in the nation. And I think if he went in the top 10, especially after he destroys the combine, um, I don't think that's out of the question in any way. Yeah. You've, you've mentioned him before on previous shows and, um, you know, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here on the College Gridiron Showcase. Watch with Joe. Going to ask Justin to uh, throw on his Peyton Manning no-huddle offense here and uh, get to his marquee matchup of the week. we got more prospects we're going to bang you over the head with. Uh, Justin, take it away. Here we go. So, a little under the radar, I guess it shouldn't be, but, I, you know, these teams don't win a lot of games right now, so this matchup isn't too heralded. But Florida at Missouri. Um this is one of those ones where, you know, the, the outcome probably doesn't really matter because both these teams are three and four and three and five, Missouri's three and five. But uh, there's some good players on these teams that are going to go head to head for Missouri. They got the quarterback, Drew Locke, who's the, he's a big dude with a huge arm. 
Um, he kind of reminds me of Josh Allen in a way, you know, that style, the big athletic guy who can scramble, who can move, but also can fire darts all over the field. And he's having a record year. I think last year in 12 games, he had 23 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. This year through eight games, he has 28 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Um, he's on pace to just shatter everything he did last year. Um, he's got the receiver, Jamon Moore, that he's tossing the rock to. Um, Jamon Moore, he's been pretty under the radar as well. Um, 6'3", 205, though. He's shown the ability to, you know, take small small screens, you know, slants to the house. I think he's got some home run speed. He's just – he struggles with some of those focus jobs. But the kid has a high ceiling athletically. Um, watching him on the All-22 last year against Florida – um, he absolutely shredded their corners, um, Quincy Wilson, Tease Tabor. Uh, he's got the ability to, you know, when he when he focuses, when he gets his mind right, um, there's not a lot he can't do. His route running can be impeccable. He doesn't lose speed coming in and out of his breaks. I think the kid has a pretty high ceiling. Um, and I think maybe in Indianapolis that will become more apparent. But right now, you know, playing on Missouri doesn't get a lot of attention. Um, and then Missouri also gets uh, – they got Anthony Sherrills, one of their top safeties back. He missed two games earlier in the season with a concussion, I believe. But, I mean, the kid reportedly runs in the 4-2-5 to 4-2-9 range. He's been their top ta- – I think he was third in tackles last year. But, anyway, a lot of ability there. Um, he's the leader in that backfield. And then coming at them, coming at Drew Locke and Jamon Moore on the other side of the ball, I went over Florida's defense with Taven Bryant, but they also have three defensive ends who can just scream – off the line and get at the quarterback. They got sophomore Ja'Kai Polite. Um, kid has a first step like you haven't seen. There was a few snaps against Georgia where he is in the backfield and around the tackle before, you know, the running backs even getting to the mesh point with the, with the quarterback um, and some of that read option stuff. And then Jabari Zuniga, who I've mentioned a few times, redshirt sophomore, another speed rusher. And then C.C. Jefferson, he's 6'1", 260 but he plays like he's 6'5", 290. I mean, he's kind of just a bull in a china shop. Um, he beats you with speed. He beats you with power. He beats you in a lot of different ways. So, um, those guys, Drew Locke has his hands full trying not to get sacked by those dudes. And then, you know, in the secondary, Duke Dawson's having a big year. He's got a career-high three interceptions. He's got 24 tackles, which is exactly how many tackles he had in 12 games last year. Um, and he's a, he's a patient corner. He has great feet. He's got great reactive athleticism, which I've talked about a few times too. Um, the kid is going to be probably in charge of shutting down Calvin Ridley, so good luck with that. And then the freshman Nickelback, uh, Marco, let's see, Marco Wilson. Um, he's having a pretty big year. He's got a lot of ability on tape. You can see the fluidity. You can see the speed. You can see that this kid's going to have a good career at Florida, um, getting you know, kind of being becoming known as DBU with all the guys they get drafted year in year out. But uh, I mean, this should be a good game. I know, like I said, this is not a game that's going to be on the national spotlight, but it's going to be a fun one to watch because a lot of big prospects are going head-to-head. Yeah, you know, it's it's, uh, it's amazing when you take a look at all the players that you just mentioned on that Florida roster and, you know, now uh, three trying to prevent four SEC losses in a row. Uh, it's a shame what happened there. But, you know, Justin just gave you plenty of reason to tune in to that Florida at Missouri matchup noon Eastern time on ESPN2. And uh, that's going to about do it here on the Codswood Iron Showcase Watchlist Show, episode 42 
did not get to the parting shots today, so I apologize for that. But we'll be back at it again next week with episode 43. Uh, NFLDraftBibleHere.com. Check out uh, daily NFL draft scouting reports each and every day. Of course, we'll be on location uh, this weekend down in Rutgers. We'll be watching that punter down in Rutgers as uh, Maryland comes to town. I'll be there in attendance. And, uh, of course, Craig Red, Jose Jefferson, shout out to our co-founders. I know Craig will be at the Richmond Villanova game uh, getting some eyeballs on some prospects there. Of course, we'll have updates at cgsallstar.com, at nfldraftbible.com. Follow us on Twitter at nfldraftbible. Make sure you click subscribe, share this bad boy. If you're just tuning in, we're on iTunes. You can find us over there now. Uh, also, we're all over the social media universe, so find us at NFL Draft Bible. Appreciate my co-hosts, uh, Justin Gamble, Joe Everett, the directors of college football scouting, uh, never leaving a stone unturned, dropping the gamble on them at all times. And, of course, I was RIC in the place to be, Rick Saratella. Telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft. It's what we do here since 2002. You know how we do it. Catch you next time, everybody.